What a joy to be at Watoto. I'm feeling like Watoto. <laughs> Do you know how I know I'm feeling like Watoto? I almost started to dance. I don't usually dance in church. Church is a holy place. You don't dance in church. <laughs> when I saw the young man who was leading us here, you know, I almost got the vibe myself. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. This is a lovely day. I feel so excited about what the Lord is doing amongst us and the message he has put on my heart. Um, I'll just tell you a short story before I start. <clears throat> In 2000, Professor Anand here was my professor at an institute I was, uh, we were, I was engaged in to learn called Haggai International. And Professor Anand was a very young man at that time. He's still a very young man, but he was a very young man at that time. And he was so creative and agile and, you know, he talks rapidly. In fact, I'm surprised. Today, this time you're speaking so slowly. At that time, you had to do like this because he would speak so fast. And uh, he was teaching us communication. So 2000, 2000, many of us didn't know how to use PowerPoint. It was fairly a new thing. Many of us didn't even have laptops, but it was a requirement to have a laptop at the institute. And he amazed us and wowed us. Now, on the faculty was also somebody who was fairly old, Father D'Souza. Actually, Father D'Souza at that time was about 72 years old in 2000. He was fairly old, but he was amazing. He was amazing faculty in, in his teaching. So one, one, one of the breaks I found him, I, I enjoyed talking with him so much. So one of the breaks I found him and said, what are you doing? He said, ah, this Anand here is telling me I'm too boring. <laughs> that the, the, the participants are saying I'm too boring. I have to do something about my PowerPoint and my visuals. So he's helping me. So we talked back and forth, and then he came to present after lunch. And... Uh, so he, when he came in, he was teaching us on leadership. And he was telling, don't judge a person by what you see them. Don't, don't, don't just... Um, there's a story behind what you see. Are we together? Am I communicating? Yeah. And um, so he said, let me illustrate. And he put up a picture, a PowerPoint picture. I think it is the only picture. It was the only PowerPoint he did for us. <laughs> he put up a picture of two people. And they were sitting facing the other way so we could see only their backs. And he told us, when you see these people, what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind by seeing their picture? So we're about 35 in the class. We started talking, you know, the man, it is a, a young man, uh, and uh, he's with his girlfriend, and they look like they're hanging out. I don't think we use hanging out, but that, now it's the word you use here at Watoto. So, Yeah? So then another person would say, he looks like a middle-aged man, and the girl looks like maybe she's in her early 20s. Then another person would say, you know, that man looks like he has quarreled with his wife. In fact, the, part, the reason of the quarrel is their teenage son, I think, wasn't talking to them. They said so many things. We said so many things. And then he turned the picture around so that we could see what it was. And it turns out that the picture is a rock with a dog. So the dog had been covered with a hat and a scarf, and we couldn't tell if it was a dog or a person. 
and the rock had been also covered with a man's hat. So you could think it was a couple. We burst out and laughed. We accused each other of making judgments without knowing the reason why. And when the laughter had finally died down, Professor, uh, Father D'Souza said, you blame it on Professor Anand. He's the one who gave me these tips of making you people laugh. We laughed like for 15 minutes because you should have been in the class. The things we said about that couple on the rock were too much. And so that's a story I have about Professor Anand. But in 2010, as luck would have it, I am in Thailand and teaching a leadership class. And I use Professor Anand's video. He has a great video on, on branding, personal branding. And I had a session, you know, how leadership classes go. And I said this was my faculty way back in 2000, and I want to show his video on personal branding. And the class enjoy it, and we talk, and we discuss back and forth. Now, all the time in the class, there's this lady who is looking at me with a very, very big smile. And after we finished the class, and she said, do you know me? I said, yeah, you're one of the participants. Did you enjoy that video? She said, that man is my wife, my husband. <laughs> and I'm feeling so glad that I did not say anything bad about the person who created the video. <laughs> but we have used that video clip of yours so many times. It's amazing. It was a TED Talks. Uh, video on personal branding. You should look for Professor Anand Pillai, TED Talks, Personal Branding. You will be blessed. Okay, now that's my short introduction. Now I'm ready. <laughs> Tonight I'm here with my family. I'm here with my husband of 28 years. I'm looking out for him, but I can't see him. Where are you? Oh, there he is. Please wave. <laughs> yeah. That's Honorable Peter Chisaka. He's a very honorable man. He's not a member of parliament yet. But he's a very honorable man. And I'm here with our twins. Please stand up and wave. Yes. That's Anonze and Anenda. They are 10 years old. They are just the indomitable twins. And I'm here with my older son, Luazi There. That's the amazing Luazi Kisaka. And I'm here with my daughter. Is she here? She's coming. Oh, she's there. She's there in the back. That is the beautiful Sanyu. And I'm here with my singer, the singer of the family. Auntie Liz, where are you? Please stand up and wave. So you can see I brought everybody. That's what you should have done today. You should have brought everybody from your house. Praise God. Now let us pray. Father, you are wonderful. You are amazing. Those words don't even begin to describe how much we love you, how much we adore you, and what a joy it is to be in your presence, to sit at your feet, O oh Lord. We humble ourselves and we say, glorify Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Let your word run swiftly amongst us. Let your word be glorified amongst us, O oh Lord. And let no flesh glory in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On Wednesday, I was talking to you about the parable of Jacob and Joseph. 
And I'm just going to summarize very shortly what I did then and add on a few things. In my communications class by Professor Anand, he told me that this is what you do when you speak. You tell the people what you're going to tell them. And then you tell them. And after you've told them, you tell them what you've told them. So that's what the format I'm going to use since he's here today. I need to impress him that I learned something from his class. So this is what we are going to be covering. The Old Testament is a parable. It's an illustration or a metaphor which finds its fulfillment in the New Testament. The Old Testament are metaphors, are illustrations which find fulfillment in the New Testament and which are our guidance in the life we live today. Every story in the Old Testament, there is an underlying metaphor or illustration that guides us in this day and age. And I have found several in the parable of Jacob and the parable, the parable of Jacob and, Mount, and Joseph. Joseph is the son of Jacob, as you know. He's the son of his old age. Jacob died at the age of 147. And Joseph was born to him when he was 100 years. Can you imagine that? He's, he was very old when he was born, so he loved this child so, so much. Actually, the separation between Joseph and Jacob almost killed Jacob because of the love he had for him. He was a child he bore, he bore in his old age, but also of the woman he loved very much. We have a God-ordained blessing, each one of us. Now, I'm, I'm beginning on the lessons we get from this parable. The first one. We have a God-ordained blessing. That's, this is what this parable teaches us. That means that the gifts God has given to each one of us are irrevocable. Each one of us has their own special gift from God. Everyone has received their own fatherly blessing from God. Each child is blessed as an individual, and everyone stands in line before the Father to be blessed. That's what Abraham did. That is what Jacob did. That is what Isaac did. They blessed each child by name. Corinthians and Romans and First Peter, they all teach us that we all have a special gift from God. Tell your neighbor, you have a special gift from God. That's the first lesson we learn from this parable. The second one, life is measured in numbers. Life is measured in numbers. What you do with your blessing depends on how you spend your time. How you spend your time. We said that Jacob spent 14 years pursuing two women. You remember? For seven years he pursued Rachel. For second, seven years, he pursued Leah. After 20 years, he ended up with two wives, two concubines, and 12 children. For 20 years, he pursued women. Joseph, on the other hand, he pursued building Egypt. He built the economy of Egypt in 14 years. It was a superpower. What you do with the blessing you've received from your father depends on how you use your time. Tell your neighbor, what you do with the blessing that you've received from your father depends on how you use your time. 
Life is measured in numbers. So don't waste your time pursuing women only. Pursuing women is good. And the men said, hallelujah. But don't spend your 14 years just pursuing women. Spend the next 14 years using your gift and blessing and, and blessing to build the kingdom of God. Number three. Blessing is activated by visions and dreams. The blessings of God in our lives are activated by visions and dreams. The Spirit is the one who activates the blessing. It is God's ideas, not good ideas. God's ideas are activated by the supernatural power, not by human psychology. We all need to spend time in the presence of God and catch the Spirit of God and be ministered to by the angels of God who are ministering spirits so that we give birth to God ideas that will propel us to build the kingdom of God with God ideas. Jacob received an idea from God. He received a multiplication plan on how his livestock should be multiplied. That he received in the 14th year, and after that he became an amazingly rich man. Joseph, similarly, also received a God idea when he was 17 years old. God told him, the sun, the moon, and stars will be bowing to you. It is that idea that kept Joseph as chaste as he could be. He was presented an opportunity to defile himself via a very beautiful woman called Mrs. Potiphar. She was rich. She was beautiful. She was brown. She was dark. She was what you wanted her to be. Young, young men say hallelujah. But Joseph said, no. I have dreamt a better dream. The sun, the moon, the stars will all be bowing down to me. I'm not going to be persuaded by your beautiful body, Mrs. Potiphar. I'm going to wait for my God-given dream and destiny. He received a dream when he was 17 years young. And Joseph later goes on and interprets the dream for Pharaoh. You remember? According to the wisdom of God. So spend time in relationship with God so you can tap supernatural wisdom and supernatural ideas and do the will of God. Number four, no one can steal your blessing. Tell your neighbor, no one can steal your blessing. That means that God is sovereign in your, in your matters. Your blessing remains your blessing. You can only step out of line of your blessing, but your blessing will never step out of line with you. So if your blessing is that white line there, it will remain there because God is sovereign. God gave it to you. God's gifts are without repentance. They are irrevocable. Only you can move from the line of the blessing. So we do well to stay in relationship with God, with our Father, so we can tap godly wisdom and get the reward of the blessing. When you come back into alignment with the, your line of blessing, it will still be there and the rain of heaven will come upon you and the dew of heaven will come upon you and you'll know I'm in line of my blessing. Tell your neighbor, no one can steal your blessing. 
just get back into a relationship. Number five, your blessing is a community blessing. Your blessing is not for you alone. Your blessing comes to you because of the special DNA you have to receive that blessing. But when it comes into your, your palms, when it comes into your bosom, it's a community blessing. It's a flavor that blesses families and churches and nations and societies and the world. Amen. The blessing Abraham received was for the nations. And every descendant of Abraham derived from the same blessing. His son Isaac, his son Ishmael, his grandson Jacob, his grandson Joseph, they were all sent to the nations. You don't need, need 1,000 uh, animals to be blessed. How much meat do you eat? One small piece. I think I should tell you a story about meat. My husband and I got married 28 years ago. I come from a, a meat-eating family. Do you know what I mean when I say meat-eating family? So my father, if we wanted meat at home, we didn't buy kilograms. What did we do? We killed chicken, or we killed a goat, or we killed a cow. And I'm not joking, it's the truth. <laughs> we didn't buy. When we wanted rice, we didn't buy half a kilogram. My father would buy that. So I came from a family where everything was done large. It's not because we were rich, but he was just that kind of man. If there were beans in the kitchen, he would say, Hey, you mean we don't have sauce? It was that kind of family. I married a man who knew that when you eat meat on Monday, you eat it again on Friday. So I would cook meat, I would bring it to the table, and then, you know, being the good man that he is, he would serve me on my plate, and he would put one piece of meat. And I was like, no, what kind of man is this one? <laughs> the truth is, you need only one piece of meat. You don't need a whole bowl of meat. The blessing, however much you are blessed, However many beds you have in your house, how many can you sleep in? However many bedrooms you have, however much money you have in your account, how much do you need for the person seated in your chair? Your blessing is a community blessing. Your gift is for the church. Your gift is for the nation. Your gift is for the world. Are you hiding the grace God has put upon your life under a bushel? It was not put there as a label for you to wear so that we can say, Hey, that one is a designer. It's to bless the nations. It's to bless the nations. You should move away from self-focus. S-E-L-F. You should move away from self-consuming, from wanton living, from wanting to just satisfy your flesh. Because God has anointed you to be a blessing to the nations. Hallelujah. Self-pleasure, self-pursuit, wanton living, going away from the line of your blessing, that is for childish people. Your blessing is for the community. Number six. The older shall serve the younger. 
The older shall serve the younger. That refers to the two covenants. Esau was the older child, was the older twin. But God said, the older shall serve the younger. The old covenant under the law and the new covenant under grace. The covenant of grace is the lead. The covenant of the law serves grace. The older serves the younger. God's God's purpose in election will always stand. Grace will always prevail over the law. Grace is the younger and the law is the older. So Esau thought, Esau thought, and God forbid that we should have this kind of thinking. I am the firstborn. I am the very gifted one. I came forth first. Therefore, naturally, the blessing of the firstborn comes to me. Secondly, my young brother is so stupid, he actually sold me. He's, ah, no, 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 no. I've got it wrong. Secondly, my, fa- my older brother is stupid because all he does is stay in the house. It is me who goes out. Are we together? So he thought he had this entitlement to the blessing. That is a legal way of thinking. That is a legalistic, the law, the covenant of the law thinking. Let me tell you, my brethren. God's election, God's mercy, God's grace upon you is not because you've earned anything. God's amazing gift and favor upon your life is just because he loves you. God has chosen you and anointed you to be a blessing to the nations, not because you came from a royal family, not because the Wafulas are the most best people to bless, but He has chosen you and anointed you and sent you out to be a blessing to the nations. The older shall serve the younger. The grace will serve the law. Don't say, why is it me who is, is, why is it that I'm not going forward yet I'm the one with the law degree? No. God does not need a law degree to do what he wants to do in the body of Christ. God needs people who are willing and humble because his, his gift and call are not irrevocable. And they don't, what's the English word? Tasosola. That's the Luganda word. God does not say, he chooses as he desires. His mercy can be upon anybody. The blessing is not an entitlement. It's a work of grace. Ask your neighbor, are you following Dorothy? Number seven. The yoke of bondage hinders the blessing. The yoke of bondage hinders the blessing. That means you need a yoke breaker. Why do I say this? I requested for the blessing of, uh, of uh, Esau to be projected on the screen. If you are ready, please project it. The yoke of bondage hinders the blessing. That means you need a yoke breaker to experience the full blessing. Esau's blessing was laced with so many difficulties. In the blessing, he was made a servant of his brother. Do you remember? Okay, you don't remember. 
Genesis 27 verse 38. If you have your Bibles, this is a, a scripture I want us to read. If you have your phone, get it out. If you don't have your phone, look at your neighbor's phone. I want all the eyes to look at this scripture, the blessing of Esau. Is it up there? Oh, finally. Let's read it together. Go on. Let's go. Go on. Let's go on. It has ended. Okay, I'll read it from my Bible. Your blessing, your dwelling shall be away from the earth's richness. This is the blessing of Esau. Away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword. This is a blessing. Are you, are you hearing me? This is a blessing. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you throw his yoke from off your neck. Are we together? When you grow restless, you break, you throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau's blessing was laced with difficulties. It was told that you will serve your brother, but he gives him a promise. He says, when you become restless, when you get tired of this yoke of bondage, you can throw it off your neck. You know, some of us go around in life feeling like we are victims of our circumstances. Do you know any such people? I'm a victim because I am a child of a stepmother. I'm a victim because I'm a child of the first mother who was unloved. I am a victim because I'm a, I, I am a child who was cursed by my singer. I'm a victim because, can you fill in the gaps? There are so many things. That is a yoke. That's a yoke. What is the purpose of the yoke? The purpose of the yoke is to keep you down. A yoke is used to tie two oxen together so that they can serve, so that they can till the ground. The purpose of a yoke is to keep you like this. So you cannot lift your head. Your head goes down. The purpose of a yoke is servitude. The purpose of a yoke is so that you feel like you are a slave. The purpose of a yoke is to oppress you. But his father, Esau's father told him, when you become restless, you shall break that yoke. Esau comes out of the place of blessing and he is looking murderous. He says, let me wait for my... my father to die, then I'm going to kill this man called Jacob, my brother. You see the purpose of the yoke? The purpose of the yoke makes you murderous. It makes you bitter. It makes you angry. It makes you feel that you are a victim of circumstances. 
But Isaac told Esau, my son, when you become restless, you shall break that yoke. How did Esau finally manage to break this yoke? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you shortly. Now, on the other hand, Jacob was totally blessed. Remember? He goes out of the house with the full blessing and goes to Haran. But what do we see happening to him? He lives like a slave. He's blessed, isn't he? But he's a slave. He's a slave to Laban. Remember I said the blessing doesn't move. Who moves? Jacob moved away from the line of blessing because he thought he could earn by works what was given to him freely by grace. He thought he had to earn the wives. He thought he had to earn the favor of Laban. He says, <laughs> and I really like this passage. I'm going to read it because they might take long to project it. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 27. I'm going to tell you what Jacob said of himself. The blessed man said this of himself. He says to Laban, I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and gods have not miscarried. Nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen day or night. That was my situation. Verse 40. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night. And sleep fled from my eyes. This is a blessed man. It was like this for how many years? Twenty years I was in your household. I worked for, your, for, for, for you 14 years for your daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages ten times. Who is talking? It is a blessed man. It is a blessed man. What had happened to the blessed man? He had moved away from the position of grace and mercy and the blessing which is unmerited. And he went to work for the blessing. God's blessing is in your DNA. You work because you are blessed. You don't work to be blessed. God's blessing is already in you. And because you know that truth so well, you go to work. You live a life of integrity. Why? Because you are blessed. You refuse to pursue women. Why? Because you are blessed. You walk righteously with your brethren. Why? Because you are blessed. We don't work to gain a blessing. We receive by faith the blessing, and the blessing begins to work in us. Hallelujah. We don't see the fruit of Jacob's blessing until he gets God's idea for the multiplication of the livestock. And when he gets this idea, he gets back into relationship, and he gets the angel to talk to him. And we begin to see a man prospering because he has come back into relationship with his Savior. Amen. Let me begin to come to a conclusion. Jacob died a peaceful and rested man at the age of 147. He had stopped striving with God. He had come to learn the secret of being blessed. When his son Joseph comes and brings the two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, 
And Joseph wants the grandfather to bless, him, to bless them. Joseph places them strategically so that the firstborn can get the blessing of the firstborn and the secondborn can get the blessing of the, first, of the secondborn. Do you know what Jacob did? He crossed his hands. He crossed his hands and gave the blessing of the firstborn to the secondborn, who is Ephraim, the son of fruitfulness. You know, when I read that, I said, oh my God. <laughs> Jacob finally learned that he didn't have to steal the blessing. When you are blessed, you are blessed. Even a blind man will know where the hand should go. You don't need trickery. You don't need manipulation. The blessing of your life is from Father God. It is not from the funny things that you think they are coming from. It is not anything you are working for. God's blessing is in our DNA. So he blesses the sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim as if they were his very own. And to me, in my thinking, is that that was the healing moment for Jacob. He dies a peaceful man because he comes to realize my blessing never moved and whatever I did to Esau was for nothing. Your blessing is God-ordained. No one can steal it from you. It's only you who can frustrate your blessing by disobedience and by the things you do. Amen. Tell your neighbor, but are you hearing what Dorothy is saying? Or is it for the person at home? <laughs> Let me end with the thought of breaking the yoke. Of breaking the yoke from your life. You break the yoke from your life by realignment. Say realignment. Realignment in relationship with your father. When you realign in relationship with your father, you sit down like a windy child. And you stop striving for the things which are truly yours. You rest in God. And you wait for his blessing. You don't steal from people. You don't go for covenant relationships which are not blessed. You wait for God's timing. That is what we said is the Kairos time. The fullness of time. At the fullness of time. God's reign comes upon you in abundance. Your blessing is God-ordained. The government rule is upon the shoulders of the yoke breaker who is Jesus Christ. He broke every yoke by his death. He broke every yoke. He set the oppressed free. He untied every cord that holds you down so that you are not blessed. Your cheating brother, your cheating, your cheating, your brother is forgiven. Not because you deserve it, but because has, God has mercy on you. Because you have asked for, for forgiveness. Stop running. Stop trying to earn another blessing because your blessing is in your DNA. You are born again. You have received the promises of the blessing. The blessing is free. It's, work, it's a work of mercy and of grace. I therefore speak to you, my brethren, by the Spirit of God upon me. The Bible says in the last days, 
Your sons and daughters shall do what? Shall prophesy. Your sons shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I am a daughter and I want to prophesy upon you, upon this congregation that has come to inspire. The mercy and grace of God is upon you. Just say amen. Receive. The spirit of adoption as a son and a daughter and an heir is yours. The wisdom of nation building that was upon Joseph shall come upon you by dreams and visions. You will deliver many from the hand of the oppressor. You will be an instrument in God's hand to break the bondage of oppression and slavery and poverty and the victim mentality. You will be an instrument of righteousness, an instrument of peace, and an instrument of, an instrument of joy in the Holy Ghost. God will restore to you the years that the Kankawam has eaten from you. God will restore your wages. God will restore your dreams. God will restore your visions. You shall find the fulfillment of your visions in the fullness of time. You will gather in the years of plenty. And you will store up for the years of famine. You will not know the years of famine. You will thrive in the blessing of the sons and the blessing of the daughters of God. You will walk in abundance of His mercy and His grace. Receive by faith. It's the zeal of the Lord. It's the zeal of the Lord. And He shall accomplish it Himself. God bless you, my brethren.